Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. It is always an honor and a privilege to stand and to give the word of the Lord. Whether I'm teaching or whether I'm preaching, it is a sacred place, and I do not take it lightly. Um, I still get nervous. I don't care how many years I've been doing this, too. I lend myself to the Lord for him to do as he, as he pleases. And this morning, I'm going to be starting in Ruth chapter 1 and give you a little background on the book of Ruth. It's in the days of the judges, and they're not exactly, you know, the timeline. We're not real sure when this particular event took place. It could have been during Othniel or Ehud. Might have even been during the time of Gideon. But we do know it was a time when the Moabites were oppressing the Israelites. And there was a famine in the land. And uh, we know that the Moabites were good at coming in and stealing the food from the Israelites so that they didn't have food. This is how they kept them. decided that he was going to pack up his family and go to Moab because that's where the food was, you know. So he packed up his wife and his sons, and they went to Moab. And Naomi is, is the character that I'm going to be focusing on this morning. And... Um, while they were in Moab, their sons, Malon and Kilion, took wives, and they were in the land of Moab for 10 years. During that time, Elimelech died, and then uh, Malon and Kilion also died. Now, there have been a lot, there's been a lot of speculation as to why the sons died. I myself personally go to the meaning of their names. When they named their son Malon, it means invalid or sickly. Hello? <laughs> Kilion means pining or wasting away. So this, for me, this is enough to tell me what the possible reason was that these two boys died in the land of Moab. So at this point in time where I'm picking up with my notes, and her is alone with her two daughters-in-law. Her husband is gone, and her two sons are gone. And during this time when a woman became a widow for her livelihood, her sons for her security, for her safety, for her protection, for her livelihood. And they were gone. They were dead. And she was not in a good place emotionally or mentally. She was not in a good place. Her emotional support was gone. Her, her leadership was gone. Her security, she felt like that was gone. Her family was gone. She had her two daughters-in-law. And in verse 12, she's decided to go home back to what she knows. And she looks at her daughters-in-law and she says, go home, my daughters. I am too old to have a husband. Even if I were to stay, to say that there was hope for me and I could get married tonight and then bore sons, would you wait for them to grow up? Would you therefore hold off getting married? No, my daughter, a daughter-in-law became a widow that the next son would take them to wife. Well, she had no more sons. And she was looking at them and she says, I have no hope of blessing you. Now, when there's no hope, that opens the door for depression. And at this point in time, Naomi had lost hope. She told them, said, I have no hope. I am empty. 
I am barren. I have nothing to give to you. Go back where you came from. I have no gifts to give. I have nothing inside of me anymore that can help you, that can benefit you, that can be an encouragement to you, that can pick you up and take you where you need to go. I am bitter where you belong. Orpah went back. Ruth said, no, I'm going with you. When the hard times come, the enemy, he begins to work on our minds. Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but being a Christian does not mean I don't have hard times. I have very hard times. I have dark times. I have times where I'm crying out, hey, God, what happened here? Why is this going on? There's times that we're in a situation in a hard time and we brought it on ourselves. There's times that we are a part of our family or friends have brought it on us and we're so thankful for that. And then there's times when we just don't know it's a mystery. And this morning as we were preparing for worship there was a song that says I sing hallelujah. He says in the middle of the mystery and sometimes in our life the hard times that come, the hard things, the dark things that hit us it is a mystery. And Naomi, she would know why this had happened. She had no idea why this was going on. She only knew that she was empty. She only knew that she had nothing left to give. She only knew that she had no to give and she had no hope and she was bitter. She, we, the enemy says, you're nothing. You don't have anything. You have the most high thing to offer. Well, I got news for him. I am a daughter of the most high God. He has not left me empty. He has not left me useless. He has not left me, but he is still there. I may not be able to see him sometimes in the darkness that's closing in around me. I may not be able to see what's happening, but I do know that my God is still God and I'm not giving up in the middle of a mystery. I'm going on. He says, you're a failure at what you're doing. Naomi had nothing left and she was going home and she wasn't going home in victory. She was going home defeated. And she said, I'm going home, you go back. She had even gotten to a place where she felt like it was the hand of God that was against her. This is not so. has brought it into our lives and we're living the consequences of their actions. And there may be times when we just don't understand. But God is not against us. But the enemy will bring that in. She goes home. And she arrives home and her friends and her family say, Naomi's here, Naomi's here. And the first thing she says is, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant one. She wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> she said, I am bitter and my name is Mara. She had named herself bitterness. Have you ever been so hard and to such a place where you begin to have realized the bitterness that has taken hold? Let me tell you something. Bitterness has a root and it goes deep and it does not sprout anything good. It's a poison and it'll poison your life and it'll poison all those around you. You have nothing good to say. You have nothing good to say about yourself. You have nothing good to say about anybody else. And there's an anger that begins to roll around in you when the bitterness begins to take root and, because, and it will sprout and and it will grow and it will poison the entire life that you're trying to live. Oh, that was Ruth, 
chapter 1, verse 20, she told them, don't call me Naomi any longer. Call me Mara, because God has made my life bitter. Now, a lot of the versions give the name of God, which was Almighty, El Shaddai, Almighty God. It's, it's strange that she says, Almighty, the Mighty One, the Bountiful One, the One that provides, the One that gives all, has been against me. Hebrews 12, verse 15. Uh, one of the reasons I don't bring all in with me because I go to a lot of different translations. I have a lot of Bibles at home. I'm not bringing them all in with me to give you the word. <laughs> this is in the uh, Passion Translation, and he says, watch over each other. Did you know you're responsible to watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace? And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of one, of two, of many. The root of bitterness goes a long ways, touching a lot of lives. And we need to be aware of when that's happening. And it comes in the dark times. It comes in the dark places. It comes in the times when we begin to despair of what's going on in our life. And we begin to lose hope. It grows deep within the heart. And it, can get us. it begins to deceive us and says, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God does not know where you are at. You are alone. And again, that is a lie from the pits of hell. <laughs> he is almighty. When she went back home, she went to Bethlehem. And I don't find it an accident or a coincidence that Bethlehem was in Judea. Judea was Judah, the land of praise, the son of praise. And let me tell you something. One of the best times to begin to praise the Lord is when you are in the dark times, when you are in the dark places and you can't see your way. It's praise. It allows you to stand up and say, oh, no, I see what you're doing and you are not coming in here. You have no hold here. You have no place here. This child belongs to the Lord and I stand on the rock. There is no place that you can take me to because I'm not going. I'm not going with you there. I am not going to allow the bitterness to begin to root up and spring up within me. I am not going to let hopelessness and despair. I am going to overtake me, but I am going to sing the praises of my father. I am going to sing the praises of my Yeshua Hamashiach. It is not, I, I am not a Southern gospel girl. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't do that one either. I'm a rocker. Always have been. Always will be. <laughs> Petra was one of my favorite groups. <laughs> and White Cross. My son listened to White Art. This is my son and daughter in love, by the way. <laughs> and I like to rock my music and I like to get it going. And when I'm fighting a battle, my music is on loud and strong. My granddaughter, Kylan, has come into the house before, and I didn't know she was in there. You know, they've all got the code to my house. And all of a sudden, I, I hear a noise, and I turn around, and there she is going, Because <laughs> I've got a loud. <laughs> and that's exactly what I do. The more he fights, 
the louder in my praises I get. The more he comes at me, the louder I go. It opens communication channels with the Father. <laughs> joy is connected with praise. Yeah. I believe, believe in joy. <laughs> I believe in the joy of the Lord, and I believe in that being my strength. And the praise opens that door. We feel his love as we praise. He gets happy. I love that verse that says he comes down off his throne and sings over me. <laughs> I feel that love. I feel it pouring over me and we begin to feel his leadership as we praise my husband dropped dead just dropped dead on me in 2015 and I was in my room and I was praying and I said God what am I supposed to do now I have my leadership is gone my covering is gone what am I supposed to do now and he said, I will be your covering. I will be a husband to you. I will lead you in every step you take. Just trust me. He's done that. He has spoken to me and said, pack your bags. And I've said, where am I going? And he has said, you're going here. How long am I staying? I'll tell you when you get there. So I go. And I stay. He says, go home. <laughs> Let me tell you another mystery that was hard. 1987, I was about seven months pregnant. And I fell down the flight of our basement stairs from the top all the way to the bottom. I don't remember that fall. I remember the bottom. It hurt. I remember my husband hollering my name going, Babe, babe, are you all right? And all I could do was moan. I was in too much pain. There weren't any words going to come out of this mouth. Come to find out, my daughter had died in utero. And my amniotic sac was leaking, and the poison of the decay was leaking into my body, caused me to pass out. Now, in Illinois, I don't know about other states, but in Illinois, if you have a baby that dies in utero, you have to take it to term. They cannot start the birthing process. You carry that dead baby to term. But because my life was in danger, they, they were able, and I went through the delivery process. And one of the things that has never left my mind, they brought her to us. We got to hold her. But they brought her in a cold blanket. There was no warmth there. There was no light. They needed to find out why she died. Now, I remember that. Of all things, I remember the coldness of that baby that they brought me. The warmth wasn't there. She was my uh, fifth child. And it broke our hearts. And there was... I. Before I got pregnant, the Lord had told me I was going to get pregnant again right away. And I was like, Lord, my son Aaron is going to still be pretty young. They're going to be close. And that's going to be hard. But I, sure enough, <laughs> there I was, seven months. And as hard as I'll get out. But, you know, I went through a spell where you did. And my husband went through a spell the same way. Now, my husband's a whistler. He whistles for all things. The harder he whistles and the louder he whistles, the harder the job. I laugh. So the two of us are a pair. I'm laughing, he's whistling, we're good. You know, <laughs> We have a musical house. <laughs> he lost his whistle. And I didn't realize it, but I had lost my laugh. And one day we were standing in the kitchen, and 
I laughed about something. And my husband grabbed my shoulders and turned to me, to him, and he said, I have missed that so much. And I'm like, missed what? He goes, your laugh. It's been gone for so long. And you know that afternoon I heard him whistle. And I had been missing his whistle. I knew there was something wrong with him because he'd lost his whistle. I was never so glad to hear anything in my life as I was that whistle. <laughs> but God brought us through. We both went through a hard time, a dark time, and we were saying, why, God? Why? Why did we lose this one? We loved her. We wanted her. It wasn't the timing. We didn't care for the timing, but we wanted this baby. I never got an answer, and it doesn't matter. I am not going to walk away from God because of something I don't understand. And let me tell you something, barley harvest. But Naomi couldn't see it. There was harvest happening. But she was so down, so sure of her bitterness and how God was against her, she couldn't see the harvest. She couldn't see the plenty. She couldn't see the blessings of God. She couldn't see that God had provided. She couldn't see that Ruth the one she kept saying, go home, go home. God had a plan clear back in Moab. Brought Ruth into her life. Why did he bring her into her life for? Restoration. Blessing. To what God is actually doing. And we don't see the blessings of the Lord when it's right there under our nose. We don't see the harvest and the bounty that God has provided. Get your praise on. Get your praise on. And be, open up your eyes to see what God is actually doing. Keep yourself in a place where you're saying, I don't understand this. Or maybe you do understand this, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to stay true and I'm going to keep my eyes open where I'm seeing what God is doing in my life and what he has provided in my life. God provided a future for Naomi through Ruth. Think about that a moment. We all have a future. Sometimes God provides it through something or someone else, but it's there. He has a future for you, a destiny he's planned out. And no matter what happens, that future is going to come. You are not lost. You are not left behind. He has not forgotten you. He has not said, oh, I can't do anything with them and turned his back. But he's saying, come on, open your eyes and see. Come on, I'm here for you. Don't let go. Hold on, because I'm here. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.